morning once again and praise the Lord in his presence. Uh, I find it very challenging to 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 teach things which we see as being the basics which most of us will consider to be the basics. Because there are so many things going on and uh, we want to teach, we want to be aware of so many things that are going on and sometimes it's very easy to overlook what most of us will consider to be the basics. But then, as I prepare prayerfully to go back to the basics, I find them extremely challenging and time-consuming. So I am surprised myself how difficult it is starting with myself to prepare a sermon that is about the basics. It's become easier to talk about evolution and all social justice stuff, etc. And it becomes increasingly difficult to teach the basics. Very challenging. But we make an effort and see where we get with the basics. So, most of you, many of you will consider this to be uh, a repetition of things you know, but that's fine. Peter say, even though you know these things, I'm reminding you, because it is important. Our topic today will be a continuation, Abide With Me, Part 2. Abide With Me, Part 2. Let's pray. Loving Father, we want to bless you. You are the reason one. And we are gathered here to talk about the reason one and things pertaining to heaven, to our final abode, final destination. We pray that your Holy Spirit will inspire, expound, and teach us these things unto your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 14, verse 3, the Lord promised, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We will read, like uh, previously, two or three main scriptures today. And we will share how we should be waiting for the coming back of the Lord Jesus. As I mentioned to you previously, just last week, the second coming is not the same event as rapture. I gave some explanation etymologically last week. Um, some people don't believe in the rapture. As I said last week, I see it clearly in the Bible. E.g., 
First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. I don't see how otherwise we can interpret that. Because it's about meeting the Lord in the air. It clearly says that. Those who asleep in Christ will rise again, and we who live in French, he says, nous qui sommes restés pour l'avènement du Seigneur. We who are alive unto the coming of the Lord. That's what it says. So we're not just there. No, we are living unto the coming of the Lord. And then we'll be caught up to meet him in the air and to be with him. That's what it means. I am going to prepare a place for you. Once I've done that, I will come back and receive you unto myself. That we will be together at the same place. I'm paraphrasing. You can't interpret that otherwise. What is being caught up in the air to meet the Lord? What does that, how can you otherwise interpret that? In Romans 13, verse 11 is not our main scripture today. It was last, last week. Romans 13, verse 14 to 11 to 14 encourages a life of spiritual alertness, discernment, and sanctification. Why? Because time is short. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Nearer than ever before. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is coming back to take his own to his father's home, as he promised. It is his promise. And he is called faithful and true witness. What he says, he will fulfill it. He will come back. There is a passage in the Bible that says the trumpet shall sound. It will sound. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Just as he, Jesus Christ himself, is pure. So, the waiting of the coming back of Jesus Christ should have a purifying effect on us. The night is far spent. The day is at end. And we need to live properly because the Lord is coming back. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and the city set on a hill. We explained these things last week. First Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Fleshly lust, covetousness, worldly pleasures, walk, war against our soul. But Jesus Christ is the complete fulfillment of all the human aspirations. And in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead and all the treasures of Wisdom and knowledge. Does that make sense so far? 
Thank you. Amen. First reading then. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 to 32. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 to 32. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, that's Jesus Christ, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. Verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. 31. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Verse 32, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talks with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? Remember the biblical discipleship. This is a genuine disciple's attitude. The heart was burning inside as they heard scriptures. As the Lord went into all the effort to expound, not just explain, expound scripture to them. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he demonstrated, he showed them that it concerned him. It's all about him. Their heart was burning inside. They were learning something with their heart, not just the heads, with their heart. And as they opened their heart to what the Lord was teaching, remember what we say last week? The Lord did what? Open their eyes. We give our heart to the Lord. We receive gladly his word. He begins to open our heart. It's not the other way around. If we do it the other way around, we ended up with accumulating bookish head knowledge. What does the Bible say? The letter kills. Is the spirit that gives light. The letter without the spirit is dangerous legalism, dogmatism. So called spirits without scripture is a highway to deception, they go hand in hand. You find places where people are saying, we are in the spirit. And then you observe what is happening. It looks like witchcraft. New age. No scripture to support those things. Witchcraft. Opening to deception. 
the word and scriptures go hand in hand. In fact, the word is called the sword of the spirit. It's like it's the spirit who is holding it. The words of Jesus Christ are spirit and life. Now, if we focus on head knowledge, it will create more problems that you can solve. It becomes a competition. Pride. Everyone holding to their own theories. That's why you see believers are troubled. That's why you see people are avoiding the book of Revelation. We taught the book of Revelation a few months ago easily, by God's grace. Easily. Including what people believe to be complex is not complex. It's because we want them to be complex because of our favorite authors. They're quite happy to trouble the people of God. Read scripture prayerfully in a spirit of submission and obedience. God will direct you. He promised to send us another helper. Here the Lord expounded scriptures to the disciple here, the two disciples. But then he said, I will send you another helper. And he calls him the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Why can't we listen to the Holy Spirit? If we have him. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 9. He who does not have the spirit of Christ is not his. As simple as that. However clever we think we might be. However lovely people think we are. If we do not have the spirit of Christ, we do not belong to him. That's what the Bible says. The challenge is to every one of us. I'm not talking about attending the church. I'm not talking about being born in a Christian family, even though I have an issue with that expression itself. Because I don't know what is a Christian family anymore. I don't know. Some get offended when I say that, but I don't know. Listen to this. A man once said in our family, we take communion, and our dog partake as well to communion, because he is a Christian dog in a Christian family. I don't know what a Christian family means this day anymore. I know that a Christian will marry another Christian. Two Christians marry together, they found the family, and they try their best to bring up their children in the ways of God. But we cannot assume automatically that those children are Christians. I don't know what a Christian family means this day. The most rebellious children come from the church these days. 
from the church. I heard a meeting was happening somewhere with young people and they came up with an interpretation of the commandment from the Bible. They say, oh, honoring your parent is not the same as obeying them. Wow, what about that? <laughs> well, I didn't prepare this, but let me challenge. In case you know some of them, or you've heard that, let's turn to Ephesians. Sorry, Ian, we've seen that in the baptism course, but let's turn to Ephesians. And see together, this is a reply to those young people who are teaching those things. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parent in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, both of them. Honoring and obeying is in the Bible. You can fabricate your own if you want. God is not in it. Bookish knowledge. Health knowledge. Empty, deceptive knowledge. Where are we? So, this is what happened. Oh yes, I remember where we are. The word without script, without the spirits, and so-called spirit without the word. Yes, that's where we are. One is uh, empty head knowledge, and people are quite happy with that. But it's empty, it's dried. There's no life in it. It just puffed up. Yeah, the Bible says knowledge puffed up. It's just knowledge, it's just competition. I know this, I know that, I know this, I know that. No life. And then on the other side, you have something that is uh, witchcraft. They call it spirit. Have you noticed that when people speak about the spirit without the, the word, they come up with all sorts of new concepts. Here is one of them. Connection. God is not a radio station to be connected to. I hear, let me connect to heaven. Let me connect. God is not modulate frequency or DAB. No. In the Bible, you have words such as fellowship with God. Those are the words we have. People are talking about connection, spiritual connection. I heard spiritual glue. I'm glued to heaven. And millions of people are following that. Test every spirit whether they are of God. <laughs> test. How do you test? The spiritual realm is very complex. How do you test? Scriptures. Scriptures say everything. Tells us what we need to do. Okay. So, the first reading was Luke chapter 24, verse 27 to 32. According to Luke 24, verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13, and now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called the Mice, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, this event here is happening on the same resurrection day. 
So the lady went to the tomb very early in the morning. They saw angel appear to them and spoke to them. And during the day, this event are happening. And toward the evening, the Lord is journeying with them seven miles. Seven miles is quite a distance, you know, journeying with them. And it's already toward the evening. The two disciples heard that the tomb of Jesus Christ was found empty earlier that day. A stranger joined them and asked them what they were talking about. Their eyes were kept from recognizing that it was the Lord himself. He rebuked them for the slowness of their heart to believe. And he expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. From Moses to all the prophets. On reaching the village called Emmaus, they asked the stranger to join them for the evening meal. And because it was, it was getting too late, when he, well, this is Jesus, why is in lower? It should be capital, he. When he blessed and broke the bread, their eyes were open. And they recognized him as the risen Christ. He immediately vanished and the two disciples went back to Jerusalem to carry the good news to the other disciples. Well, the discussion they were having was about, oh, no, we thought he will deliver Israel, you know, this is what has happened, and this morning, you know, some of us went to the tomb. That was the discussion. But now, it's a different experience. They recognize the reason, Lord. Immediate reaction is what? Joining fellow disciple to do what? Verse 34. 34. Okay, let's start from 33. So they rose up that very hour. It wasn't the following day, it's the same day. Late now. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, who was saying? Well, if you say it's the two disciples, maybe. If you say it's the eleven, maybe. But one thing for sure, the disciples were saying. It became the focus the focal point of discussion, the risen Lord. Both those who were coming with that news and those who gathered together, all about the risen Lord. That's why we're here. We're not here for a great thinker, an avatar, one of the prophets, one of the gurus, one of the greatest men, one of the moral teachers. No, we're here for Jesus, the risen one. 
no matching. The great teachers in Israel say, no one, no one has taught like this man. He taught with authority. Boldness. He knew, he taught as someone who understood, was convinced about what he was talking about. Because he knew the Father. We don't talk about the gospel in apologizing. I'm really sorry for offending. I'm really sorry. The Bible itself offends all of us. It is both offending and offensive. That's what it is. We look in the Bible. We look in the Bible. Someone said to me, uh, a Christian, I love my wife, but she needs to work very hard to gain my trust. Both believers. I say, oh, doesn't the Bible say love, trust? Your love is without trust. She needs to work hard. I guess you do the same as well. Philosophy. Philosophy. That's the Bible, but this is what I've learned. This is how I've been. It has to be like this. We're not going anywhere with that. And if you look that in a setting of the church, and you multiply that by the number of people, you can begin to see the complexity and the stumbling block for the word of God to penetrate and produce its fruit. Philosophy. Paul warned people, let no one deceive you with empty philosophies. The reality, the substance is Christ. Everyone has his own tradition. That's not how we've been doing. In our church we had to do this. This is how I grew up. This is, that's your problem. We have to play by the same rules. Sing from the same hymn sheet as you say in England. I come from a place where a man can marry ten ladies. The man's adultery is excused. But the lady's adultery is a big problem in the village. Is that what the Bible says? No. Christ asked the question, where is the other one? She did not commit adultery herself. Now if someone is coming from that background, he's coming with those ideas. Ladies means nothing to him in the church. Should we accept that? You can begin to see the problems. Everyone has his ideas. What do we do? Do we bow to that? To people's ideas? Or do we stick by the word of God? The sword of the spirit. To break stubbornness. To break what is fake. To break misconception. And to turn to the reason one. All the disciples now had convincingly one same message. The Lord is risen indeed. That was in the night time. Two angels testified to the women at the tomb early in the morning. What did they say, the angels? Luke 24, verse 6. He is not here, but is Reason that in the daytime. 
the Lord himself foretold his own death and resurrection. He said they will scourge him. And the third day he will rise. That Luke 18 verse 33. So he foretold. The angels testified. The disciple experienced. And then. To John the Lord said. In Revelation 1.18. I am he who lives. I was dead. And behold. I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Prophecies, fulfillments, and glorifications. All evidence. Even the people who despise and don't respect the Lord, still referring to before and after the day of the Lord. B.C. A.D. In every scientific books. It's not a fiction. The Bible is not fiction. You know, the people the Bible is talking about here are real people. When we pray uh, to the God of Abraham, the faithful, Isaac, the son of promise, Jacob, Israel of God, they are real people. They have descendants. Bethlehem is a real place. It's not fiction. It's not tree corn. It's not UFO. You can go. People visit there. David is a real person. In fact, he's considered to be maybe the greatest king in Israel. He's a real person. Solomon is a real person. That our faith will not be in cunningly devised fable. To Martha, Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. John eleven twenty five. In Act 1, verse 3, the Lord presented himself alive to the disciples with many infallible proof. Infallible proof, if you like proofs. Infallible proof. For 40 days with them. 40 days. He presented to them, here I am. Touch my wound, I'm here. Give me food. And he spoke to them. And then he ascended to heaven with a promise. Angels testifying. The Lord said, I will come and receive you unto myself. And angels said, this Jesus you see going, that's Act 1.11, will return in the same manner you see him coming. In Zechariah you have details of all that. How it will happen. On the Mount of Olives. Now, why is this relevant? Why and how is the reality of the Lord's death and resurrection relevant to us today? Why am I even taking all this time? 
I should be talking about people being blessed and having money, being the most, you are the most wonderful person. It doesn't matter what is happening in life. God is good. You know, it's impossible that he will send anyone to hell. Otherwise, it will be contradictory to his character. You know, God is good. You're so wonderful. You worth so much. It cost God his son. That's your value. Why and how is all this relevant? Number one, the death and resurrection of Christ is relevant because it's the basis for our salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Christ has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to believe that Christ died and rose again. You have to believe to be saved. Secondly, it is the basis for our baptism and our newness of life. Without Christ's death and resurrection, there's no baptism. There's no newness of life. There's no even holy table. Because whenever we partake that, we proclaim his death until he returns. We remember until he returns. No salvation, no baptism, no newness of life, no holy supper. No Christianity. Well, there can be something like Christianity where people deny that Christ never died and they still have people following them. Call, still call Christianity. It is the basis for our baptism and our newness of life in Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 3 to 5. I'm reading Oh, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 6, verse 3 to 5. If we really rest with Christ and testify that through the waters of baptism as died and raised with Christ, the consequence, practical consequences of that is the newness of life. Even John the Baptist say to people, show by your deeds that your life has changed. So the baptism in Jesus Christ has implications. Newness of life. An affirmation that all things have become new. Notice that Christ say he holds the keys of the Hades and death. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Only Jesus Christ. No one. No one. He holds the keys of death. Physical death, he could say, Lazarus, come forth. Come out. He will give a shout on that day 
and the dead in Christ will rise again. Because Christ is life. And the Bible says, comfort one another. We lose loved ones, we love them. They depart before us. But the Bible says, comfort one another. Because on that day, you will see them not to depart again. Christ will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow. For everything will become anew. God will make everything new. The new heaven and the new earth is coming. But in order to enter there, you must be born again. That's why we are called new creation. Because God will make everything new. And everything else as we see today will be burned up. All the network, all the influences, all the skyscraper, is that how we call them? All of them burned up. The day for salvation is today. Don't play with fire. If you listen to me this morning, sorry and please, I'm not talking about your Christian family. I'm not talking about your attendance here. I'm not talking about the number of years you consider yourself to be a Christian. I'm talking about new birth in Christ. With evidence of that, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the love for his words. The waiting for his blessed appearing. Those three. Hope. The love for the bride of Christ, the church. Not, we're not here for influence. We're not here to grow in influence. We're not here to influence things, to grow in power. No. This is the church of the living God. And we must all play by the same rules. The redeemed of Christ. Every one of you, a living stone, doing what you're doing for the Lord, and Him in you for that day, and you will be rewarded on that day. Serve the Lord. Continue to the end. On that day, everyone's work will be revealed. It will be tested in fire. My work will be revealed. Whether I've been the chief hypocrite or a deceiver or just an arrogant person not knowing what he's doing, on that day it will be revealed. We still have time to put things right now. The Lord God will not judge me for your work. You will be judged for your own work. You are responsible for what the Lord has given you. Remember in the parable of the talent? He called the servant and he gave them his things. His things. And he came to ask them to give an account. Each one of us has been called, received gifts, ministries, Talent, spiritual qualification. So let's stop excuses. 
like the one who received one talent. I can I confess to you that I've never understood his answer. When the Lord asked him, I've never understood. You know, I know you plant where you reap, where you don't plant, and it's very cool. I don't know what he's saying. Justification. But every one of us will give an account. It's very easy for me. I'm not saying you less you offended this time. It's very easy for me to think that I know something from the Bible. But on that day I will be judged. And you will be judged. I mean, your work will be judged. Because you no longer go to hell. Now, it's your work that will be judged in order for you to be rewarded. There's no judgment for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. But then, we need to serve God to build up the church. The church is not the building. It's you and I. It's us allowing Christ to fulfill his will in us. Building his church. When our t- You've heard me saying this so many times. When our times are over, we've gone. And we pass the relay button to other generations. Work with a vision. We've just been mourning uh, Barry's dad. But he was standing here, the place I'm standing here. He was doing the, wo- the work our trustees do. He taught people from the very place I'm standing, but he's gone now. And we've heard the testimony of his life. You've heard me asking this question many times. How would you like to be remembered? How? The most beautiful person? The most bright, clever, sound person? The most influential person? Oh, Christ lover. For me, that's enough. Is enough. Because I don't see anything else. When I, I look around me, I don't see anything else. In my life. I look forward to that day. And I encourage each one of us to live with vision. To be peacemakers. Not troublemakers. For the peacemakers will be called the sons of God. The blessed hope of the coming back of Jesus Christ also is based on an understanding and accepting that truth that Christ died and rose again. Without receiving that reality, our hope is baseless. The Bible says, This is me paraphrasing. We will read scripture after. Only if you believe that Christ died and rose again can you also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Christ. So our resurrection depends on the fact that Christ rose again. So in the resurrection program, it starts with Christ's resurrection then there is a full program 
until Christ comes again. The second coming. At the second coming, Christ will come back with the clouds. The clouds. The cloud is an imagery, is a picture, is actually you and I. After we've been in the Father's house, we've been rewarded, we've, we've been clothed with immortality, we are like him, then we come back with him, clothed in white linen, and we come with him to rule this world with Christ. That is the second coming of Christ. But before that, we have to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is rapture. And then we come back with Christ. Christ will defeat the Antichrist, but that's another topic. Let's leave that. Back to Luke chapter 24, verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Well, we can see from the passage that the Lord indicated that he would have gone further. He would continue his journey. We say previously that the Lord will not violate anyone's will. In fact, he gently stands at the door politely. And knocking gently, but persistently, lovingly. What's that word? Pathetically. If you will hear his voice, you will open the door of your heart, Christ will enter and will come to give you eternal life. And you will live with him forever. But you have to open the door. Complaining yourself, I can't make it. I'm so weak. We're all weak. In fact, someone say, I don't want to come to the church because it's full of hypocrites. I say, how did you know? I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And we have quite a lot of empty chairs waiting for another hypocrite to come. And that's why we need the Savior unless you are perfect. The person scratched the head. Self-righteousness. Christ Jesus came from heaven to save us. For God so loved the world. Why the soul so loved the world? What's that? What, what kind of love is that? Well, at the consummation of everything, God will create everything again. So after Adam had sinned, God could have just, and restart all over again. Easy. But he so loved the person. He created his own image. He said, I will do something about it. That's the love of God. They constrained him. They seriously invited him. Okay, I'm going to move fast now. I'm telling you the story. 
from Genesis 19. Genesis 19, verse 1 to 3. Lot had the same attitude. Lot insisted, the Bible said, insisted strongly that the two men, the two angels, should spend night in his home. He insisted strongly. He asked first. They said, no, we're going to spend the night in the open square. They said, no. He insisted that they come in his house. That's the attitude. Inviting God in our home. You see, the disciple of Emmaus, they invited to Christ, and Christ became the master of the house. He's the one taking the bread and breaking it and blessing them. And you invite Christ, he will lead your home. With your heart. If you want, you can have him on the, on, on the, on the passenger seat. Or you can have him driving. In Genesis 19, verse 1 to 3, Lot insisted that the two angels should come into his house and spend the night. That was in a context of widespread sin of sodomy, homosexuality. Sodomy. Widespread. Why am I saying that? Well, first of all, notice that the two angels appeared to be just like normal human beings. This is the third time I'm saying that, this in our church. There is a widespread deception. And we are warned in the Bible about the service of angels. Angel, we never come to you with wings to frighten you. Oh yeah, but Isaiah saw that. Where that, but the vision was in heaven. Isaiah saw the throne of God in heaven. God is kind. God will not send you bright, you know, wings and frightening you and you fall. It doesn't work like that. Even when he himself revealed himself to John, John fell and he tapped him. To the frightened disciple, he say, Shalom is me. It's not a ghost. That's Jesus Christ. What is this business about angel frightening? But the Bible says there is the devil who disguises himself as an angel of light. Because people have that idea of angel, it's very easy for the devil to give them what they want. The people who came to Lot here, they were just men, normal men. Remember the Bible say exercise hospitality? For those, some of those who exercise hospitality received angel without knowing it. Let's be careful with these things. It's so widespread. But Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of this age, always. Why do we need lesser than Jesus? Angels, God sends them all the time to help us. We don't even recognize them. That's the key thing. We don't even recognize. Lord did not. Until he saw them in action. Lord, what is this? He did not recognize that. What about those who visited Abraham? They even gave them food. 
Sarah laughed. Would you laugh at an angel? Let's be careful with these things. So much lies. Angel, angel, wherever you look. And it's increasingly going like that. Our attention is shifting from Jesus himself to something else. Because he makes us feel good. In Judges chapter 19, no, 19, yes, 19. Oh, it's very interesting that, uh, you know, it's easy to remember for your reading at home. Genesis 19, Judges 19. Two similar stories. Another man, the same, who found refuge in someone's house, and then the people came from the city trying to practice sodomy, etc. The same, violence. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because <clears throat> Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. What's the characteristic of the days of Noah? Violence. Evil intention. The heart of man was evil continuously, permanently. Romans chapter 1 says people are inventors of evil, inventors, ingenious, proactive. They come with new evil invented from scratch with a mind in it. That's where we're going. Nothing can stop them. Nothing. The Lord was sad about that. Violence filled the world. In the days of Noah, sodomy. Homosexuality. Widespread. The Bible says, in fact, um, Genesis chapter 19, verse 4 to 5, Now, before they lay down, the men of the city... The men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people of every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Homosexuality. Have you noticed the details there? Young and old. All the people from every quarter of the city. The Lord said, as it was in the day of Lot, so shall it be before the Lord comes back. Why are you wasting your time if you think things are going to change, you know, we're going to have, you know, paradise on earth, you, you know, oh, BBC has done it again, oh, Stonewall has done this, Mohammed Charity has done it again, all oh, this and that. Why are you wasting your time? We can pray, we can influence, we can fund and support charity which are doing the work to try and restore things, to lobby, to withhold lawlessness. We can do all those things, we can pray for the city, etc. But the Lord said it will be as it was in the days of the Lord. Notice the young and the old. See what's happening in schools now? See the recruitment? See the poisoning of the children's minds now? The programming? 
See the confusion between genders now? As it was in the days of Lot. Okay, the Lord is good. Next time, God willing, we're going to continue uh, the days of Noah, the days of Lot, etc. May the Lord bless you all for your patience. Think about these things prayerfully. Cling on to the Lord. Serve him with a grateful heart. Do what he asks you, calls you to do. Love him, love the brethren. Forgive, forbear, be patient. All those things. Pray, attend meetings, and God will bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to bless you and commit our hearts to you. Keep us safe, Lord. Quicken our spirits. Revive our hearts, O God, that we should not be deceived in the way Eve was deceived. Lord, we commit our minds, O our spirit, and our hearts, that we should not be enticed to any of these things. Keep us, Lord. Fill us with the Holy Spirit that we will be steady, steadfast, immovable, established, grounded, founded, rooted, built up in your things by your grace. Lord, we pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in every life of ours. Guard us, Lord, from the rampant and widespread lawlessness. Keep our minds, Lord, that we should not call evil good and good evil. Give us, Lord, the discernment to be able to choose between the two clearly and compromisingly. Bless each one of us and as we depart from this place, be with each one of us Grant us to live victoriously in your newness of life. For you are the mystery of godliness. Because of your death and resurrection. We give you praise. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.